Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Today, I get the common double dip in the standpoint of I get an attorney and an expert, Alicia Kinsler, who's going to talk to us about the secrets to owning a small business and law practice. For those of you that don't know Alicia, Alicia has the ultimate balancing test that I will give you major props where I was never able to do, is a lawyer and business owner, wears both hats equally and enjoys both. I could never do that. So I take my hat off to you for those hats. Um, she's the founder of Kinsler Law, as well as the owner of a hair salon. Her law firm dedicates itself to the education of others, uh, education of our clients on the law and making it more accessible. We provide additional resources to fathers who are going through custody matters. And if you have not had the wonderful opportunity to see Alicia talk before, obviously you have that benefit today. She gave an amazing presentation at Max LawCon 2019. Yeah, definitely 2019. I'm starting off with COVID. Um, and talked about how she was changing her practice. And so it was really interesting to hear how so many of us, I think, wish we had done that or wish we had done it sooner. And then she was walking everybody through the amazing success that she has gotten as she has made that pivot, which is now, I don't know, three years, right? Yes. Well, the, the firm has been seven years and right. seven years and the salon is going on too. So yeah. Yep. But you were transitioning from, oh my God, correct me if I'm wrong. Disability to family law. Got it. That's it. All yep. right. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. So um, today we're going to talk about the secrets to owning a small business and law practice. Is there anything else that I missed in your bio? I, I don't think so. I think that's enough there. All right. So um, in the comments, we're going to have the website, Kinchlow Law, K-I-N-C-H-L-O-E-L-A-W.com. The Twitter page, twitter.com slash Kinchlow Law, same spelling. Personal page, twitter.com slash A-A-K-E-S-Q, A-A-K-S-Wire. Uh, Instagram page, instagram.com slash Kinchlow Law. And Instagram personal, A-A-K-E-S-Q. Congratulations on having consistent handles. I, another thing I've never been able to do. So um, when it talk when it comes to us today talking about the secrets to owning a small business and law practice, where would you like to start? I, I think the probably the best thing that or the thing that people want to know the most about is how to balance the two. So if you want to start there, I think that's a great place to start. But I think that's generally the question I get the most of is how do you balance running two businesses? And I also have a family. I have three sons um, and I'm married. So that's usually what I get. How do you balance everything? All right, so we will get to that in about 60 seconds. Before that, I want to talk about our last episode. That aired, what is today's Monday? So that aired on Thursday with Joey Vitale, who talked about marketing mistakes you're making and how to avoid them. So that was last Thursday. But enough about that. So the secrets to owning a small business and law practice, how do you balance those and kids and a husband who, if you think like me, is not nearly as helpful as he could be? I don't know him, so I, I, I hope he's helpful. Um, where, where does that start? Where do we figure out that balance? Where do, I guess, do we have to figure out what balance we want first? I think that's the first thing, right? I think it's kind of understanding what your goals are for each. And I think that there are goals for family that we don't always think about, right? Sometimes we're raising kids where we're just kind of going through what we're supposed to do. We got to keep them alive. We got to feed them. We have to get them to school. But, you know, ultimately you're, you're trying to raise them to be good humans. And so I think you have to look at what your goals are 
for your children, for your family, and then the, your lifestyle that you wish to have and your community as well. And then your businesses, you know, and how do all of those intersect? And part of that too is what makes you happy? Um, for some of us, it is the work. Some of us, it is going to court. I love going to court. Um, I love meeting new clients. Some of us is, is not that. Some of us is, is the money or what the money can provide. So I think it's understanding what your goals and your priorities are for your family, for your lifestyle. And then what is it that makes you happy, that makes you excited to get up every single day? And for me, it's a challenge. I enjoy running the businesses. So I love, excuse me, I love that you started it with keeping your kids alive. I literally have told myself that. I only have one son and I literally have told myself that at the end of some week. Like my success this week is he is still alive. Yes. So I love that that factored into it. Um, I, I love asking this question of everybody who touches on this topic. When it comes to figuring out your priorities, what methodology do you have? How do you, what advice do you have to somebody to figure it out? You know, somebody who doesn't know what they want those priorities to be or isn't sure how to come up with them. I think it's, you have to do some real soul searching and you need some quiet time to be able to think, to do it. Um, but a good place to kind of start is to look at what are those things that you hate doing? You know, what are those things that you procrastinate on that just feels like it's just eating your soul whenever you think about doing them? Those are the things that you want to try to put on the list to either delegate or get yourself away from as fast as possible. This is the only life that we have and to spend it doing things that we don't enjoy doing, doing work that we don't enjoy doing, working with people who we don't enjoy is, is just not worth it. So I think the first thing is if you can start off with saying, well, what do I not want? That gives you a list of things that you're not going to do. And I feel like that's a good place to start. And then the other side of it is, is like, what, what would I do if I had, if money wasn't an option, what would I do every day? How would I spend my day? How would I, what would my actual day look like from morning to, to, to when I go to bed at night? And I think all the way down to what you're eating, where you're sleeping, what does your home look like? You know, how are you in your community? All of those things needs, you need the time to kind of set that aside and figure that out and then start to put that together, start to craft it together. So what do you not like doing? And 1 million of the 1.3 million attorneys just finished that sentence with being a lawyer and now are <laughs> looking for other jobs. No, I, but seriously, I love that advice. And I think that's so, I want to say simple. I mean that in a good way, like mm -hmm. just really the more specific that you get, the more you break this down, the more you have that picture as clear as possible. I think that makes it easier to at least get close to it. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think the problem is that it is so simple that we don't, we take it for granted. We don't do it. We don't think about it. We don't afford ourselves the time or luxury to think about it and do it. And I think, you know, going back to what you said, Jordan, about lawyers saying, I hate being a lawyer. I find that a lot of lawyers just don't like the type of law that they practice or the way that they have to practice it. I've seen many people leave an area of law or a particular employer, and they are a lot happier with what they get to do. But I think, you know, it, it's all about, you know, what is it that makes me happy? And I think for a lot of us, right, when we go to law school, aside from maybe wanting to make money, some of us thought about, I get to be an advocate for people, for a particular type of people. And then we end up not doing that because that's not what makes us the money. That's not what helps us pay back the student loans. The other thing I think that people should realize too was that the thing that you make money from does not have to be the thing, or the thing that you enjoy doing does not have to be the thing that you make money from. If you can find an outlet for whatever it is that you desire to do, whether it's volunteer work in your community, whether it's volunteer work somewhere else, whether it's a hobby. I have a, a lawyer friend who scrapbooks and loves it. 
you know, those things can be the thing that you do, but they don't have to be the thing that makes you money. Your law, your lawyer dog can be just your lawyer job and you can be okay with that. So for those people, and, and this is a conversation that we're not going to be able to conclude here, but for those people who totally agree with you, they hate the kind of law they do. They hate the clients that they're working with. You know, you've been through this. I mean, you walked the walk you made the pivot, you made the commitment. Like, how do you, what's that kick in the butt? Like what would, what gets people motivated to really make that happy change? So I always tell people, and I enjoy doing the work as a disability advocate. I just have been doing it for so long that I felt like I needed a challenge um, or just to do something different. But I think oftentimes I tell people, if you are not happy where you are, it will come out in your work. It will come out in your health. And the older we get, it will come out in your health. Um, <laughs> and I think that sometimes I say, if we don't move ourselves, sometimes God will move us or whatever entity we believe in will move us. And it'll get uncomfortable for us in a way that we have no choice. So if you can do why you have a choice and you can make some decisions, do it. But I tell people all the time, people are afraid of starting over. There are plenty of attorneys who couldn't get a job out of law school or who got fired and they found a way to make money, to start a business, to start a practice and keep going. You can do it, especially if you have the opportunity to plan. There are a lot of resources like yours, Jordan, like a lot of the groups that we're in the same communities of that are helping us figure this out. And it's just kind of taking the time and doing it. But I will tell you, if you can do it before it gets uncomfortable, it's a much better opportunity to do it, but it will get uncomfortable if this is something you really don't enjoy doing. I know. I imagine in like five years, we're going to talk to a bunch of former like foreclosure attorneys. Yes. <laughs> who were like, well, didn't have that option for 15 months. And now I'm so much happier. Mm -hmm. Did you, I mean, I, I, and I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember the entirety of your, of your presentation from Max Lockon, but I know, I think you had talked about sort of making like a slower transition right? You were bringing, you, you didn't cut the disability cases immediately. You were cycling them down as you were cycling the family law stuff up. That's correct. And part of that was because I did enjoy doing the work and because I, and I started out of practice when I was 16, when I was literally the law clerk and I worked there for 16 years. So I enjoyed the work. I knew the people, the judges, the clerks, I didn't really want to walk away from that. And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, I have an MBA as well. I enjoy business. Um, and I thought about doing business transactional law and I did a little bit of that, but I found the family law to be really what was exciting to me. Um, and with the, you know, the business stuff, I love talking about business. That's why I got the podcast. It, that was my outlet for that. I realized I don't like doing the work. I like talking about it. So let me do this in a different way. And so that's kind of how it transitioned. It was really kind of me figuring out, taking that time we talked about Jordan, how do I find out? you know, what is that that I enjoy doing and I, how can I test it out? And it was kind of start almost a general practice and then allow myself to work in a, a bunch of different areas. And so I figured out what it was. And again, uncomfortable because now I'm an experienced attorney, but I'm beginning something new. And so that was a transition as well that I had to kind of work through um, as well. So we've got, and I guess really there's three parts to this. You've got the life, you've got the business, you've got the lawyer part of it. Cause almost I feel like that there's there's a breakdown there not a breakdown there's a yeah there's a breakdown in the sense of you've got lawyer jobs inside a law firm you've got management jobs inside a law firm you've got billing jobs so is there any different insider wisdom you share with people when it comes to finding what they want to do inside of their firm yeah i mean decide what type of lawyer you want to be you want to be a do you want to be a transactional lawyer do you like to write do you like to deal with people directly do you like to litigate do you enjoy being in court i personally enjoy being in court more than anything else. So it's, you know, finding 
allowing myself to be able to do that work and not have to do the other things that I maybe don't enjoy as much. Um, but yeah, so it, it definitely is kind of figuring out what part of the law of the legal practice you enjoy and figuring out how you can do that and then not have to do the other things. And, and still realizing you don't have to do it all. You can still have people that help you out with it, come in on certain cases and do certain things, but it is what part of it do you really enjoy and why? And I feel like when you, to, to be a true, true, true solo and do everything yourself is a disservice to yourself and your clients because, you know, there are things where, I, I don't know, at least for me, I'm, I'm great at almost nothing and very few things. And I really commit to those few things. And I, I feel like most people are similar to that, maybe a little bit more uh, varied success of their stuff or varied abilities. Have, did you, you found that to sort of be the case from the different areas of law and from the running a business side and from the life side as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think we all have things that we, we definitely are better at than others, um, things that we should be doing and, and should not be doing. And yeah, I, I definitely figured it out and I'm still figuring it out, right? You know, as the, as the, the practice grows, I'm figuring out, okay, well, maybe I really enjoy going to court on these type of cases and not all cases. So it is kind of, you can, it's a continue, it continues to develop. And I think as the practice grows, it changes. And I think that's the thing that we kind of, um, I didn't mention before when we talked about priorities is understanding how those things change over time too. As we get older, more mature, as our families grow, as our businesses grow, those priorities can look very different. Balance looks different. Do you have, that's, that's an awesome point. And that leads me to, to this question. Do you have a consistent time frame in which you're readdressing that, you know, ideal life, ideal business, ideal job, or is it sort of as you realize you're not happy with what you're doing, then you sort of figure out what to tweak? I think definitely the second point always is going to happen, right? You know, as, as you're finding out that something's not working, you're going to tweak it. But I do, I, because of how much I do, I try my best to always be looking in the future. So I set aside time literally every single week to look at what the goals are for the business, for the salon and for the family. Because if I don't, you, I'll work and it'll be a year later and I won't even realize that a year has passed. And I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way, Jordan. You'll be working and it'll, a week has gone past before you even realize it. So I do it quarterly. I do it weekly. I have what I call Wealth Wednesday, which is um, when I'm looking at the numbers for the businesses, looking at the numbers for the family, but also just kind of my own personal like wealth, but I like wealth of my, of my spirit, basically. How am I doing? Like just checking in um, again, just making sure health wise, again, getting older, <laughs> checking with myself and my husband and making sure we're doing okay. And the family's doing okay. Because when you're running businesses like that, and my husband works outside of the home, um, it's easy to lose sight of what's going on in the family as well. So it's, that's our check-in. So every Wednesday is our check-in. So tell me a little bit about how the salon came up. I just you know, you've got the law firm, you've got the kids, you've got the family, you've got the husband. And now you're like, you know what, let me give myself one more place to yeah. spin on here, you know? <laughs> so I had always planned on opening, like I have a, a kind of like a plan of, of enterprises that I plan on starting or buying. Um, and so the salon was always part of that. But the first business would actually be a second daycare. So my family owned a daycare prior, we sold it. And my plan was to open a daycare. So as I was searching for locations for the daycare center, a friend of mine um, decided to sell her hair salon. And we were just having lunch one day and, and she spoke about a sale falling through and I didn't realize she was even selling it. And so we spoke about it. She told me what it was. This is a salon that had been in business for about seven years already. So it's turnkey, had a, a um, client list, employees, 
So it was kind of a, it was an easy decision to make. So it helped her out. I got to start hitting the ground running. So yeah, that was kind of how it started. So a little bit serendipitous in that, it, the way that it started, but definitely a part of the overall plan. See, I thought about the daycare solely from selfish reasons, solely from my <laughs> three-year-old going to daycare. Yeah. How, old are, how old are your kids? Oh my, 16, 13, and seven. Oh, all right. So you're not doing it selfishly. I, I would be like, I want to open a daycare for the next like three years so that I know I mean, where you're going. <laughs> well, I mean, well, initially, you know, that's kind of what brought it up again. You know, paying daycare is like paying a mortgage <laughs> when when the, my son was younger. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We could have awesome. been doing this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you've got the, you've got your priorities lined up. You've got this image, you know, you're checking it quarterly. You're checking certain things weekly. So I want to flip this a little bit. We, you know, we put you in a DeLorean, we go 88 miles an hour to three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago. What's some of the advice you wish you could tell yourself in the past? I think that in the past, I think, let's see, if I go back seven years, so that's when my youngest was born. I was just thinking about really leaving the firm um, that, that I was with previously. I had some complications. I was in a hospital for two months. I wish oh, I would have started sooner. And I wish I would have, and I think that's still what I think about over time. Like I spent 16 years at, a, at another firm and I, I was afraid to leave. I was afraid to start on my own. I had all these responsibilities. Um, and I think I would have, I think I would have just started. I think I just would have started sooner um, and, and not worry so much about the risk of it all. I think that's the one thing that I think I would have done differently. And I think if I go back a few years, I think the biggest thing is for, is to kind of keep your eyes forward. Because again, it's so easy just to get caught in the work. And I feel like more or less over the last couple of years, I've been doing a much better job of keeping my eyes on the, the, the goals, the five, 10 year plans versus kind of getting through and just, you know, maintaining. And I think that's part of it too. I think some of us start businesses and they end up being lifestyle businesses, right? Like, especially for solos where we do it sometimes because it affords us a lot of flexibility in our lives, but we're not always thinking about the growth and the flexibility sometimes can come at the expense of the type of growth that you really want to see. And I think that's probably what I would have been looking at a little bit more a couple of years ago. From the standpoint of growing more, or from the standpoint of the, the lifestyle of growing framework? the firm. Because okay. I think I could have I think I've could have managed some of the lifestyle things that I wanted at the time. Um, I'm a person who's very active with my kids, you know, coaching soccer, parenting, like PTA, all that stuff. But I think there was ways that I could have been thinking still with the growth of the firm versus kind of doing the business as I wanted to do it or doing the law firm as I wanted to do it, um, which probably would have moved this a little bit faster, I think. That's so interesting that you talk about the, I mean, I don't want to say they're mutually exclusive, but certainly it's that balancing of creating the lifestyle or really committing too much to growing the firm, everything to growing the firm. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's all a balancing test. I think that's kind of the takeaway from this. I, I absolutely, I think it is a balancing and I, and I don't think that they're completely mutually exclusive, but it's easy to, to fall into the thinking of it. And, and, and right. I think the most important thing is to not even realize that you're doing it because you do get caught up in the work of the business without thinking about the fact that maybe I'm not doing all the things I need to be focusing on growth that I wanted to be in three years when the kids are a little bit older. So it's, you know, it's, it's you have to kind of consciously be thinking about that, even if that's not what you're doing right now. And I love the, you wish you had started sooner. I just, I hear that, <clears throat> should, excuse me, I should say, I hear the reverse of that. Be like, well, I'm waiting for 
this. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the right financial safety net. I'm waiting to see if I make partner. I'm waiting. And the next thing you know, like it's exactly, you know, you're sitting here seven years later being very successful, wishing you had jumped sooner. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, it'll never be a perfect time. Well, there, there may be circumstances that might come up, but those are one in a million. It'll never be a perfect time to do anything because we don't know what can happen. Anything can happen. You just got to trust that you have the skills and ability to be able to deal with whatever comes up. So what are some of the, um, I want to change this a little bit to the successful side of being that small business owner, running that successful law practice. What are some of the tips, tricks, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, that help you not just balance these things, but do it successfully? I think for me, like lists are my favorite thing. So I'm going to say that as the first thing is a list. I, I do a bunch of lists and I tell people, do it how you want to do it. If if today using a paper notebook works for you, but tomorrow it doesn't, switch it up. Don't have to commit, overcommit to one thing. Whatever works for you right now, this week, do that. Lists are the most important thing. I usually get up or the night before or the, the morning of, I do a brain dump. Whether it's, you know, for the house, for whatever, I dump everything there. And then I try to schedule out my day. I try to do some time blocking. It helps me be a little bit more realistic about what I'm able to accomplish in a day um, than just trying to put like a regular to-do list. And then it also helps me to see what do I need to be delegating? And I think that's something that I also check in with as well as what can I take off my plate? Again, not just what I hate doing or don't like doing, but what is it? If I'm looking at what I'm building an hour, should I really be doing X? And even if X is for the salon, should I really be doing X? Um, So I think that's the main thing is to kind of keep track of your time and put everything in there. Don't don't skip over the cooking dinner part or the thinking about what you're making or the scheduling these things in or putting in the homework for a seven-year-old who doesn't feel like doing anything. You know, you have to put that time in there and then schedule your day because otherwise it gets away from us. And then we have to be realistic about what rest looks like. And I'm, I'm really good now at scheduling my lunch breaks and taking them um, for a full hour. <laughs> Um, and then making sure that I'm having dinner if I can at a certain time with the family and having solo time with my children. So I take my sons on dates and we hang out and we do whatever fun, crazy thing they want to do. And I think those are some of the things that, you know, again, helps to balance everything. When your kids are starting to say like, hey, mom, are you are you done work yet? Can we do this? Are you finished working? You know, you kind of have to take a step back and reevaluate what you're doing. And the success of your family is just as important or if not more important than the success of your businesses. You're, you're checking all my boxes right here. I, I, I have my list from your list. No. So one, yes, a thousand times. Yes. Like do what's going to work for you now. And if it doesn't change it, I, it's, you know, don't let, don't let a good get in the way of great, but don't let great get in the way of getting anything done. I just, it's, it's the practice of law. I mean, there's so many of these phrases that we have and I just love hearing you say it because it's, it's another person who agrees with me on me. Do the list, do what works now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, let's see, I wanted to pack a couple of things. Let's, we'll go in this order. So you talked about delegate, you know, is this worth my time? And I think it's easy. Well, I hope it's easy from that billable hour perspective. If I can bill 250 an hour, what can I delegate for less? But can you talk me through a little bit more on how you're figuring out what to delegate, who you're delegating it to, how attorneys can make that decision for themselves? Yeah, and I think we have to be creative. And I think it's important to reach out to other attorneys to see what they're doing. You know, for the most part, most of us are willing to talk about what's happening out there. Um, if there is something that you can't do 
um, because you don't know how to do it. And I find that often that those are the things that we're procrastinating on. Reach out to somebody who can do it for you. Don't let that be the thing that holds you up because then you do spend more time. I use Law Clerk, which has been amazing um, for helping me through some things. They can do discovery. They can do uh, motions. I've used them a lot. And I've definitely used them on things that I don't like to do as much. Um, so those are the Shout things. Shout out so to Kristen. We had her on a couple months ago. Yeah, it's, it's great. And I'm like, I, when I finally discovered them, I was like, oh my God, why didn't I do this? Um, I've also, you know, reached out to other attorneys that I know are solos um, in, the, in the family bar and asked them to cover hearings. And not because I couldn't do the hearing, but just because I needed that time for something else. And I think it's okay to do that. Um, again, with assistance, I've used virtual assistance through time, et cetera. Um, I have a personal assistant now and I have an assistant through my firm and I delegate things to them as well. And a part of it is too, I think sometimes we think that we're, you know, as lawyers, we're, we're almost as bad as pilots and surgeons. We think we're the best at everything and that we're the only ones that can do it. And there's a lot of things that our staff can help us with that we just give them a little bit of authority and autonomy to be able to do it. And I think we need to look at offloading those things to other people, but be creative, reach out to your network, reach out to your village, see how other people are handling things um, and figure out, you know, where your time needs to be. And I think if you pull it back a little bit, if you're a solo, you know you need to be marketing. You have to. If you don't enjoy the marketing, find somebody to help you do the marketing. But you need to make sure that you're scheduling. Wait, wait, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Um, but absolutely. I mean, I think that's a, a good point. Like you have to schedule. You have to do your marketing. You have to know what your finances like. There are certain things we need to know and do to run these businesses. You need to. You need to have some type of um, client lead management. You you do. You really do. So you need to schedule those things out. And then when you start to look at how much time you need to schedule for those things, you can look at how much time you have to do the practice. And then you can start to work around that a little bit. But those are things that you have to do. So for me, I block that time off. For the most part, Fridays are my days of the week where I'm just doing management of the firm stuff and some of the salon. And then I have another block of time for the salon, four hours for the salon, where it's just management. I'm not doing work. I'm not talking to clients if I can help it. Um, I'm just focusing on management things. Well, and you're helping people. I mean, you know, you're, you're asking these attorneys to cover and, you know, there's 1.3 million attorneys across about 400,000 law firms. There's not 1.3 million business owners. There's not 400,000 CEOs of a real law firm. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of attorneys that are struggling and that little extra money here, that little extra coverage here, that little extra whatever is going to make just as much of a huge difference for them as you having the time to be the business owner is going to make for you. True. And when I started my firm, you know, that's kind of what helped me out in the beginning. I did a lot of contract work, um, disability contract work initially, and that helped, you know, bridge the gap to me, you know, switching almost, you know, primarily to family law was the contract work I was able to kind of bring over. So it's extremely helpful for those contract attorneys. Like you said, it helps them. And a lot of people do want to be more flexible. So that gives them an the opportunity to take things where they want, how they want, and to still be able to feed their families as well while helping you out. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge delegator because, one, I hate legal work, so it makes it really easy to delegate that whole wing. Um, but you then also talked about making a list, and you had that sort of from the standpoint of, so sometimes you're putting together the night before what I need to do the next day. Sometimes it's in the morning. Absolutely. So I just take, um, sometimes I'm writing it down on paper, um, but for the most part, lately, I've been just using my phone, using the notes section of my phone and making it like a bullet list. Um, and I find like sometimes that's helpful because I can send it to somebody if I need to. But to, traditionally, I'm a writer. I'll have like note cards or I have a notebook or a moleskin or whatever. 
and I'm writing it out. And like I said, it changes depending on how I feel. Some, sometimes I use the best journal and I write it out that way. Sometimes I use regular paper. But that helps me to just kind of go through everything that's floating around in my head, you know, to make sure I'm not forgetting anything because it's easy to forget something small. If my son says he needs, you know, me to purchase something, then I put that on the list too. So I don't forget him. You know, this, even though it's a smaller thing, I don't want to forget it. And those are the things that kind of do fall through the cracks. So it all goes there. And then you get to check it off and it feels good. Yeah, that is. So that was going to be my follow up. So, so legal, salon, business, family, everything is going on here. Everything just gets in, it goes in the brain dump, but then it gets usually the next day or whenever I'm sitting down in the morning, I start to schedule it out or break it into um, blocks. So I can say, I'm going to do this thing, you know, then. And then the other thing for me in terms of success has been to stay focused and present in the thing that I'm in, which is hard to do sometimes, but I've been really training myself. So if it is dinner, then it is just dinner. You know, I'm not, I'm not streaming something. I'm not doing something else. If I'm with the kids, you know, we're playing, it's, it's that, you know, I'm not focusing on anything else. So it's really been, and that's a hard thing to do <laughs> when you have so many things kind of floating around your head, but it really is, um, I've been trying to stay present in the thing that I'm doing. Well, you know, I always, I always find it like when you multitask, you equally don't do everything well exactly. at all. Yes. So, but you, it's got to help you sleep too, though, right? Like dumping all this stuff out of your brain and having it there. Mm -hmm. Like, I, yeah. yes, because otherwise it's just running around in your head. It, it, and that's, you know, I've, there's a scene from um, a Sarah Jessica Parker movie. I think is, I don't know how she does it or something like that. And literally her husband's next to her asleep and she's has a list of things that she's going through in her head of all things that need to be done. And I feel like that's how my brain is sometimes. So if I take that list and put it in somewhere else, then I can, I can reference it in the morning or the next day and make sure I'm getting it through or schedule it out if it needs to be scheduled out further. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on the writing. I have terrible handwriting if you, I don't know, whatever, but um, the phone is such a good tool for this as well, because also, you know, you've got at least on iPhones with Siri, it's like, all right, when I get into the office tomorrow, Siri, mm -hmm. remind me to do X, you know, when I'm leaving the house, remind me to grab Y when I'm, there's all sorts of things that you can do in a way where it's totally out of your brain, just comfortably knowing it's coming back through an email, an app, the, the personal assistant, the office assistant, whatever it is, getting it done. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that I love technology now. Like I'm, I feel like I, like I'm so old when I tell my kids some of this stuff, I'm like, it's amazing what we're able to do through technology that we couldn't do, you know, 10 years ago. And, and the fact that, like you said, I, you know, when I walk in the house, remind me to do X, like that is when that, we could do that feature. That was so great. Like that kept me online with so many things. And when I get into the office, remind me of X or at this time, remind me of X. Great. Just great. I know. I'm like back in my day, the, uh, you could, I was at the very, very beginning of burning CDs in middle school. And it was like, if you wanted a song, you can have it. And if you hit a bump, it skipped and it was never going to play again. And now it's like, all right, you want to pull some crazy, you know, 1950s B-roll, yes. whatever kid song. Like we've got it on Spotify. We've got it on Apple Music. I just, the technology has been insane. It's amazing. You just start typing part of the song and it'll come up and it's like, everything's there. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Great tools. So, so what, I know we, we've talked about the writing. We've talked about the phone. What are some of those other pieces of tech, software systems, whatever it is that you can't live without? So we started using Smith AI, which has been great. So that's phone. Um, but that's definitely helped us out. Definitely during COVID. Um, I think that's when we really started using them. And Shout out Maddie Martin, also a guest a couple months yeah. ago. Hey, Maddie. Maddie's awesome. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a big help because I didn't realize how many calls we were losing until we started using that because people would call and they didn't reach anyone. They would just hang up. And I, I, I could definitely see an immediate difference 
um, when we we added in Smith. So Smith has been really, really good. All right, I, I got to jump in for one second. And attorneys, I you definitely are missing a ton of calls because the number of calls that I make to firms that don't get answered or voicemail or whatever it is, and it's not like cold calling. It's, hey, we had this scheduled. We talked last week. You know, We met at this conference, whatever. So it's out there. If you're not looking at the number of calls that you are missing, you should. Absolutely. And I can tell you, it's the truth. It's the same thing for the salon. We are open seven days a week, but some of the stylists wouldn't come in unless they had appointments, their appointment only. And so I wasn't realizing until we added a, a similar feature to the salon, how many people, uh, it, it's ridiculous. I was shocked the first week, how many people were calling the salon and just were hanging up and not making appointments, not doing, not booking. It was a complete difference. So I think any business, if you think, like you said, Jordan, if you're, if you think people aren't just hanging up and going to the next name, you're, you're absolutely wrong. It makes a ton of difference to have a live person answer a phone. Yeah. Absolutely. And absolutely. friendly. Yes, that's it. And caring and with a smile. Yeah. Yes. So Smith has been great. Um, let me see. What else do we have? Um, I don't know. And we have Cleo. So Cleo, I've used Cleo since the beginning of the practice and that was great because we were, we basically have been digital since we started. And when everything, when all the closures kicked in and we couldn't be in the office, all we had to do was forward our phones and we were literally fine. And, and we still are. And we were only like, now the course opened up about a week ago and we're in the office two days a week and that's it just for um, filings and things like that. But we were able to be completely virtual without missing a beat. So again, having a good, strong client management system that you actually use and use the right way and kind of stay on top of the features and the integrations, I think are extremely important because it makes life so much easier. So, so just whatever you can do, take the time or find a person to invest in making sure you understand the integrations and what you're able to use it to try to use it as, um, as powerfully as most of these things are capable of being used. Yeah, that's a huge point. The, the one that you will use, you know, there's a, um, there's another firm literally catty cornered to my building that's been around since like the 1950s. And they got a case management system in April of last year. So it's crazy mm -hmm. to think of, you know, yes. and that, now I feel like every time I have to physically sign somebody's contract document, whatever, I'm like, like get what? an e-sign, you got to get an e-sign. Like what, mm -hmm. what were you doing during COVID? Exactly. Awesome. All right. So um, any other key tech tips, software, whatever? Um, I'm thinking those are the main two, I think that have made a difference. Um, Totally. You definitely have a, I'm a numbers person too. And I think, again, going back to your client lead management, I think that's extremely important. So having one that has strong reporting capabilities, I transitioned over to Lawmatics. Um, I have not completely transitioned to Lawmatics the way that I want to yet. So we're still kind of going back and forth between Grow and Lawmatics um, for the way that we're working, which is not great. But Lawmatics is much more powerful when it comes to reporting than Cleo is, which has been, unfortunately, which has been really frustrating for me because um, I am definitely a numbers person, but I think that you you should have good cliently management. Make sure you choose one that has significant reporting capabilities and actually look at the data that you have um, and understand what it's telling you. So that means tracking where your leads are coming in, understand and ask, first of all, asking. And if you have Smith, they're going to probably ask for you, but you want to ask where people are coming from, how they're finding you. So you know what's working and what's not working. And get it and drill it down as much as you can. And then when you get the information, do something about it. If a lot of calls are coming in from YouTube, which I have a lot of YouTube calls coming in, make sure you're using that. If clients are referring you, reach out to the clients and thank them. 
but I think you need to use the information that you're getting. So the client lead management is a really good place for us to see what's working. So we're not wasting our time, you know, in the wrong places, especially as a solo. Awesome. I, I love everything you said there as well. All right. So I want to, I want to switch it up a little bit. You talked about, you make time to go on crazy adventures with your kids. Mm -hmm. What's been, what's been some of the craziest ones? Uh, so then, okay, there's one that's coming up, <laughs> which right. is, is I fly. I don't know if you guys have where you are. Yeah. But you, so I that's what it. my oldest son wants to do. So we're going to be doing that in the next week or two. I'm but looking for forward everybody to else. So that's indoor skydiving. There's like a giant fan. The photos will be hilarious because your whole face <laughs> just gets like blown back. Like it's uh, yeah. um, what do you call it? Like a, like a facelift, like with the, with the thing. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And then my baby, he's like, he loves writing, loves languages. So that's his whole thing. But he loves like Crayolas, like crayons. Um, and there's a Crayola like experience here. So I took him this past Friday. We had a whole date. He and I, we just went, we hung out, we ran through everything. We went out to dinner afterwards and it was great. And now he wants everybody to go back. So I think this is what we're going to be doing a couple more times this summer. But it was, it was just great making crayons with our names on them, you know, and, and just doing things that the seven-year-old enjoys doing. So but I'm, I'm looking forward to the iFly one. I, I think that's going to be fun. There we go. Yeah, my, my kid loves the Crayola. We've got a Crayola experience here as well. And they close mm -hmm. at 4 o'clock, the one by us. And I only say that because my kid reminds me every week. Like, hey, <laughs> when we go to Crayons, they close at 4. They close mm -hmm. at 4. we got to make sure we get there early because I guess at one point we showed up at like 3 o'clock and that wasn't enough time for him. So, all right. <laughs> um, as we get towards the end, in terms of the secrets to owning a small business and law practice, anything else you want to make sure we cover? Anything else that we yeah. skipped or didn't didn't let you expand upon enough? I think you have to. I think one of the things I'm I'm always kind of keeping an eye on, and I'm not great with it yet, is making sure that one business doesn't become like your stepchild. So it's kind of making sure that I'm focusing on both businesses equally. You know, the law firm definitely is my dream, my goal, my baby, and this the salon is is newer and a little bit out of my wheelhouse, right? You know, I'm a lawyer, I'm not a stylist. So it's, you know, it, it triggers, it, it forces me to work a little bit harder than the, the law firm does. So I think you have to, if you're going to own another business, you need to make sure that you're willing to dedicate the time it takes to understand what makes that business run, how it's different than a business that you that you might be in. Um, definitely pull any transferable things in that you can, but understand too that you need to look and see how it's different. And I think that's the biggest thing for me, and especially for anybody else who's running a different type of business, is understanding the differences and the nuances and making sure you're committed to that as if that was your only thing. And I love, you know, you talked about the answering service issue on the salon side, but I feel like there'll be just as many things you can bring back to the law firm. You know, maybe, maybe the salon, you have an easier time highlighting different stylists. And then for the law firm, as you continue to expand, highlighting different employees, like there's just business is business is business in a, in a positive way. And it's all about client experience. I mean, that's the, the main thing across both is people want to feel good. People come into the salon nervous about how they're going to look. You know, they're giving you a lot of power about how the rest of their, the next couple of weeks are going to go. If you cut their hair poorly, you know, that's going to affect them. Or if they're coming to you before a major event, they want to look good. They're putting a lot of trust in your hands. And it's literally how they're going to wear their hair or how they're going to look. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to a law firm. You know, people are, are coming to us to solve a problem for them that's serious. And it, it may not be how they look, but it's going to be how they, what happens to their families, you know, what happens to their work, what happens to their livelihood. And there's a lot of trust and you have to understand how to gain that trust and how to keep that trust. And it's just different ways that we do it. But 
is that and is the experience that people get and how they walk away from us. That's so, so now I'm imagining you like getting somebody's divorce finalized for them at like four o'clock on a Friday. They run over to the salon for a new uh, haircut and do to go back out that night. Oh yeah, I do uh, it all the time. That, <laughs> like awesome. I really, I, I love it. I love like letting the stylist, you know, I let them choose how they're going to do my hair, which like this is like new. But yeah, but I love it. I love like being able to kind of run back and forth. And I have an office in the salon. Sometimes I end up working from the salon a little bit and 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 doing what I need to do there. But yeah, but it's it's great. It's a great experience. Like it's a learning experience. It's definitely something, again, pushed me out of my comfort zone a little bit more. And That's I think so cool. I, I know that I'm growing as a business owner on both sides because of it. Well, and I think really for most, most of our listener watchers, I think it's more your family can't be that second business, can't be that stepchild business. You know, there's certain things you're going to have to commit to from the family side. For you, obviously, there's the benefit of there's the family, there's the law business, there's the salon business. And so really goes back to the list, the delegation and, you know, making sure nothing's falling through the cracks. Absolutely. And again, find people like if you can't do everything yourself, you shouldn't. But find the right people to help you manage whatever the business is. So there's a there's a business manager for the salon like that. That helps me immensely. So make sure that you're you're finding the right help. And, and I think all over the place, I think even for your family, I hired a coach for um, for my son who's 16. You know, I'm not a teacher. I, I, I enjoy teaching professional certain things. But when it comes to children, that's that's definitely not my wheelhouse. So I hired a coach for him and a tutor for him because that helps him do what he needs to do and take some of the pressure off from me and our relationship to make sure that he's doing what he needs to do to get ready for college. So just think about the right types of help too. That's such a great point. So then, so then let me, let's flip that. So then what are some of the things that you don't think a business owner ever should delegate? I know you talked about a lot, you know, money, making sure you understand a lot of the numbers. Um, I'm always a big fan. Don't delegate firing as much as it sucks. Like that's the, yeah, that's something that stays. Are there any other, like, do not delegate X? I mean, I think you kind of touched on the main ones. Don't, don't delegate the firing. I think you don't delegate, um, or at least to a certain extent, you need to have oversight over your financial statements. I think no matter what, definitely as you grow as well, you need to always take a look at them. Um, you should have them delivered to your home. And so you're reviewing them. Um, the more that you have people kind of coming in and signing, you need to have two people sign off on checks. Um, so I think those are some of the things that you don't delegate. I think you need to make sure that you are keeping your systems, any proprietary systems um, under control. And that doesn't mean that you don't trust some people with some of the information, but you don't want it to make it easy for people to be able to take your complete client list or all the documents you've created. So you want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on those things. Um, off the top of my head, I think those are the main things you want to make sure that you are not completely delegating or that you have a, a watchful eye over consistently. All right. So um, as we get towards the end here, I want to talk about our next episode. So that will air Thursday, 1.30, Breezy? Okay. So Thursday at 1.30, we will have Justine Nicole on to talk about why lawyers should not fear marketing. Uh, one of my favorite people talking about one of my favorite topics. So I'm excited for that on Thursday at 1.30 right back here on Facebook Live. We'll go from there. But Alicia, I'm not going to let you go without the final takeaway, the biggest, the diamond nugget of wisdom, the most important thing. If somebody's been listening for the last, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes, and they remember nothing that you said except what you're going to share here, it can be something you've already talked about. It can be something totally different. But what is the biggest piece of advice you want as many lawyers to know as possible so that they can be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? 
I think that you have to define what success looks like for you. And you can start anywhere that you want to, but I would suggest not starting with what success looks like on somebody else. Take a step back and, and ask yourself what it looks like for you, what it looks like in terms of peace, what it looks like in terms of money, what it looks like in terms of your lifestyle, what it looks like in terms of your family and your community. And I think once you define what that looks like, then you can start to work towards creating that for yourself. But that's what I was I would say was the biggest nugget. You know, I think you're the first one that has brought that up, but that is really the most the most true serious point is when we talk about being success, determining what your success is. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. So for people that are smart enough to stay in touch with you, we've got the Twitter, we've got the website, we've got the Instagram, but you know, you mentioned a podcast or, or what's, what's the best thing for people to connect with you on? I think hear more from you on. Um, sending me a message through any of those um, forums. So you can, you can DM me or PM me um, on any of those places. And if you go to um, the uh, Instagram page, the AKESQ uh, Instagram page, you'll see a link to the Family Law TV show on YouTube. You'll see a link to the podcast, The Growth Goal, and the House Divided Family Law podcast. So if you want to check those out, you can definitely do that. And if you're interested in being a guest, you know, definitely let me know. And I know I'm going to get Jordan on a Growth Goal soon. So hey, let's do it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of Successful Attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.